This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Monday afternoon. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Hope you had a lovely weekend. I want to spend uh, this half hour for sure talking about a diagnosis that no one wants. And of course, any cancer diagnosis is a a life-changing diagnosis. A lot of women have been diagnosed with breast cancer and have had treatments and feel that they've beat it. But in the back of their mind, there is always this concern that will it come back? What can I do to make sure that breast cancer and one of my other breasts doesn't have the cancer or it doesn't show up somewhere else? And I thought I'd bring in Dr. Ellen Warner. She's a professor of medicine at the University of Toronto, staff medical oncologist at the Odette Cancer Center, Sunnybrook Research Institute. She joins us today. Hello, Dr. Warner. Hello, Angela. I want to spend a bit of time on your research. Now, did it specifically focus on the myths out there when it comes to how to avoid breast cancer returning? Well, we can't possibly focus on all the myths. Yeah. There are too many, but we focused on many, so particularly things like diet. And was it about, though, the recurrence of breast cancer, just so I, this isn't just myths about getting breast cancer in the first place? Right. I mean... That's a whole separate issue, but mm-hmm. we focus specifically on things that may or may not decrease the risk of recurrence once a woman has had breast cancer. Maybe you can just start off by saying how predominant that thought is in a lot of breast cancer survivors that it could come back. That's what almost every woman worries about. No matter how tiny the cancer is, no matter how much we assure her that her prognosis is excellent, every woman worries that she's going to be that outlier who has the recurrence. Does it depend on the patient themselves when it comes to the statistics around recurrence? Well, only in that um, if, you know, if women are adherent to the recommended treatment, that obviously helps. And there are some lifestyle things we found that can also help. There's nothing that's going to guarantee that the, tre- that the cancer won't come back, unfortunately. Are there some types of breast cancer that there is a higher percentage of the cancer coming back? Yeah, and it depends a lot on stage. So bigger cancers spread to the lymph nodes, that has a higher risk. There's also some intrinsic biological things that the pathologist can tell us that make the cancer more likely to come back. All right, then let's talk about some of those myths because I'm sure some of my listeners have heard them and maybe some of them have even taken them for fact. What would be some of the bigger ones out there, Ellen? Um, Mainly to do with diet. I had that even today, someone in clinic who assured me that the way she was going to keep her already metastatic cancer from killing her was with lots of juicing and cutting out dairy, sugar, meat. Um, It was a huge list. And soy. Soy is a huge one that everybody thinks is terrible, but it's not. It may even be helpful. Where did the soy myth come from then? So that is interesting. It actually comes from some real science, and soy is what we call, has um, ingredients in it which we call phytoestrogens. So they're weak estrogens. Estrogen is the hormone, the female hormone that stimulates a lot of breast cancer cells to divide. So if you feed like massive amounts of soy of certain types to certain animals, you can get Um, you know, laboratory breast cancers to grow. The problem is that these aren't normal amounts. Like no human being could possibly consume those amounts. And if you look at actual equivalent amounts to what a human being might eat, even if in a relatively high soy diet, um, those 
phytoestrogens actually displace the normal, more potent estrogens in a woman's body and may actually lower the risk of cancer recurring. Maybe. They certainly don't increase it. Huh. Now, cancer recurring, would it be the same for cancer occurring even in the first place? Um, Is that where the... Less clear, maybe. Yeah. Um, we do know that the, one of the lowest rates of cancer ever reported was in Japan on a traditional, hmm. um, very high soy-based diet. But we don't know if it's because of all the soy or because of all the you know, garbagey Western things that people weren't eating at the time there. And that must be the hard part about any of this research, right? Because it's never done in solitude. It's never just let's have a person who has only eaten soy all their life and see what happens with their health. Absolutely. And diet is only one of the complications. Often diet is associated with other lifestyle behaviors too. So it gets even more complicated. Uh, well, you know what? And even going back to the soy, because I come from a family of breast cancer. So I'm very aware of the soy. And I remember reading that 10 years ago. And I used to be a soy milk person and loved my tofu. And then I went, oh, should I be having it? But um, I'm, I'm wondering if, if people take anything out of our discussion this afternoon. It's the, the overall balance of things. Yeah, exactly. And everything in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about then if diet is one of the big myths out there, uh, what kind of diet would you recommend people adhere to when it comes to reducing the risk of recurrence? Well, we don't know of any diet specifically that will reduce the risk of recurrence. So Mm. women may as well stick to Canada's food guide and keep themselves healthy in all other spheres. So fruits and vegetables are good. You know, protein is good as long as it's lean. Um, You know, beans, legumes, um, uh, lots of fiber. Those are all great things. I don't. We have no data that they're going to affect the risk of recurrence, but they'll certainly make women feel better and probably tolerate their treatments better. We are kind of an all or nothing society, aren't we? Whenever we hear about one little grain of something when it comes to, let's say, supplements or vitamins, suddenly people are all over taking so many supplements and vitamins. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. And some of them are actually bad, at least in other cancers. Okay, any, any supplements or vitamins that are a concern when it comes to breast cancer survivors? Um, we haven't really found any that are bad for people, um, but you know, there's a lot of myths about things like IV vitamin C, and that does have side effects. It may not make breast cancer come back, but it certainly can cause other side effects that the women attribute to their standard therapies, and then they stop their standard therapies, and that's obviously going to make their cancer more likely to come back. Hmm. Did you say, what kind of vitamin C did you say? Intravenous. Oh, IG, okay, intra, or IV. IV, IV intra, yeah. okay, so if they hear about IV vitamin C, they might stop that IV of the vitamin C? Well... I mean, that's something that, you know, certain practitioners, non, non-physicians are advocating mm. and there's no evidence that it works and it could be bad for them. How much research is out there? How, how do you go through all the research just to determine what's the good and the bad? You know? It's very difficult. Um, we, you know, we went through a lot of papers that had already gone through a lot of papers, you know, based on certain criteria that make a study good. Um, you know, did it have the proper control groups if appropriate? Um, you know, was it, you know, was, was the methodology correct? Was yeah. it published in good peer-reviewed journals? You can never be certain that, you know, there's a lot of research fraud, unfortunately, too. But if you're getting consistent results from multiple researchers, you can probably believe those results. Uh, Go back to the diet, because you mentioned fruits and vegetables, fine, protein, as long as it's lean. So uh, would protein also include red meat? I mean, that is a protein. Is there any concern with red meat? 
Um, there is no proof that red meat is a bad thing. Um, it can be very high calorie if it's fat. So gaining weight, we found, is an independently bad thing for these women. So that's something to keep in mind. But, you know, small amounts of red meat um, are fine, and there's a lot of lean red meat, and that's also fine. Again, I think moderation is key. Yeah, okay, so going back to that whole idea of lean. Now let's talk about the weight gain, because um, people who have gone through breast cancer treatments it's sometimes hard for them to have a good diet because they just don't feel like eating. It's sometimes hard for them to be um, daily exercise involved in that because of just their overall feeling. So how, how prevalent is weight gain during breast cancer treatment? Weight gain is extremely prevalent. Like almost everybody gains some weight. And some women, unfortunately, gain excessive amounts of weight like 10% or more of their body weight. And that's been very clearly shown to increase the risk of recurrence. Well, and then also, again, I know we're talking about recurrence, but breast cancer and weight, there's some strong connections also, aren't there? Well, certainly in postmenopausal women, higher weight equals higher risk. Hmm. In uh, younger women, it's actually the opposite. So women should be overweight until menopause and then magically lose the weight if they want to minimize the risk of cancer. I'm being facetious. Okay, okay, wait a second. Okay, so back up. Talk about the weight again. (laughs) I'm writing this down and I'm thinking, are you saying people should be overweight until... No, I'm not. I'm being very facetious. I'm just saying that studies actually show that in women before menopause, being heavier somewhat, not a lot, but somewhat decreases the risk of breast cancer. But I mean, that has so many other terrible, you know, effects on health that I wouldn't recommend that for anyone. Plus, as soon as they flip into menopause, they have to magically shed all that weight because being overweight after menopause increases risk of breast cancer. Wow. And then when you're in menopause or after menopause, it's even harder to lose weight. Absolutely. And the, the overall risk of breast cancer is much higher after menopause. So you're, you're creating a lot more cancers if you're overweight. Hold on here, Dr. Warner. I got a lot more questions for you. I want to put you on hold and take a break, all right? Sure. Dr. Alan Warner, professor of medicine at the University of Toronto and staff medical oncologist at the Odette Cancer Center, Sunnybrook Research Institute. Back with some of the myth, and let's make sure we have a lot of fact as well, a healthy dose of fact after this. We are talking about some of the myths when it comes to uh, the recurrence of breast cancer and not overall myths about how you can avoid getting breast cancer or how you do get breast cancer. Dr. Ellen Warner is my guest and she looked at a number of studies just looking at the recurrence and how you can reduce your risks, what you need to do in your life. And there's a lot of different myths out there. So uh, Dr. Warner, we've uh, talked about, of course, uh, some of the diet things you have to take into consideration, weight being a big thing. And so then that means, and, I, and I'm, off, I'm often confused with this as well. So it, exercise obviously is an important part of this and exercise because you want to decrease your weight or there's some benefits to the actual exercise in the uh, reduction of the recurrence? So that's an excellent question and it's very hard to tease out, but the researchers have been able to do that. And exercise per se, independent of weight, um, has a very strong protective effect. It's about a 40% reduction in recurrence which is similar to the effect you get from things like chemotherapy or hormone therapy. Not that this is a substitute, but this is something that's value added. And is it because of, am I going so far as to say something with the endorphins or what exercise does to a woman's body that might actually prevent it from coming back? 
Nobody knows for sure. There are mm. lots of hypotheses. I didn't see endorphins, but that's a good one. Um, some people think it's because it seems to lower estrogen levels. It may have something to do with insulin metabolism because it lowers um, blood sugar and seems to make insulin work more efficiently, and that may have something to do with it. Or my favorite theory is actually it seems to have an anti-inflammatory effect, mm. and inflammation seems to suppress the body's immune system and ability to fight the cancer. And I know the side benefit is probably maintaining a healthy weight. However, I still say that weight really comes down more to what you're eating than how active you are. Correct. If you yeah. want to lose weight, you have to eat less. But I tell patients if you want to keep it off, you have to exercise. Okay. Well, that's a different way of looking at it. So if we're looking at other lifestyle things, um, obviously exercise is a big thing. But what about when it comes to smoking or drinking? So smoking is obviously a, a bad thing for so many reasons. Women yeah. who smoke are more likely to die whether they have breast cancer or not. Um, smoking may also be a risk factor, but that's another, another story for, for younger women. But women who are smokers at the time of diagnosis, for reasons we don't really understand, are more likely, likely to have a recurrence of their breast cancer. What we don't know is whether quitting smoking will lower that risk, mm. and we just don't have the proper studies for that. But certainly women who quit, quit smoking will live longer because they're less likely to die of heart disease and, and other things that smoke and lung disease and so forth. And, and here's the other cancers. yeah, and here's the other thing. I think when people are smoking, you know, it's obviously a stress reducer for people when they smoke, and then you have to deal with the diagnosis of breast cancer. Talk about stress. So it must be a really difficult time to make that kind of shift in your life. To you're going to quit smoking now. I mean, obviously, some people think that's a life and death decision, so they're probably more motivated to quit smoking. Right. Well, I found I think the light soap smokers, they find it fairly easy to quit. This is the thing that sort of tips them over, okay, you know, done. And they don't have such a hard time. But the heavy smokers, yeah. the women smoking, you know, more than half a pack a day, they have a terrible time quitting exactly because of the stress, like you say. Yeah. What about alcohol? So alcohol we know is a risk factor for getting breast cancer, but it's not clear whether or not it increases the risk of, of breast cancer coming back. But what it does do is increase the risk of a second breast cancer. And women who've had one breast cancer are at higher risk of getting cancer in the other breast for whatever factors cause the first one are still operating on the other breast. You know, and even just you saying that. So when we think, when we talk about recurrence, that means the breast cancer, the cancer has to come back to the same breast. Is that how you define recurrence? Um, generally, we're talking about recurrence outside the breast because uh -huh. if it recurs in the breast, it might still be curable. Right. If it recurs outside the breast, like in lungs, liver, bone, that's for all intents and purposes incurable. And, and that, that's what kills women. Wow. Okay. When I went into this conversation, I was thinking of the recurrence of breast cancer, as in it would come back in another breast or still would be a breast cancer, but it could be recurrence of the overall cancer somewhere else. Right. And that's, that's what we're dealing with. Wow. Okay. Go back to alcohol though. So you say um, definitely uh, alcohol use in probably the first diagnosis or getting breast cancer the first time. But then if you were to change your life and quit drinking altogether, that's not guaranteeing you that you won't see cancer come back. No, but it will reduce the risk of cancer in the other breast. And we're talking about excessive alcohol. The woman who has a glass of wine, you know, every, every, even every night, that's probably not so bad. But there are women who drink a lot more than that.
Okay, have we covered all of it? Have we covered the alcohol, smoking, uh, weight gain or loss, exercise, diet, anything else out there that really you want to make sure you uh, change people's thinkings, thinking well, when it comes we, to myths? We touched a bit on vitamins, and, um, you know, I think there's some data that not IV vitamin C, but um, getting enough vitamin C from foods and maybe small oral supplements might be good. Not clear. We need more studies. And vitamin D seems to be important. Um, There's studies suggesting that vitamin D deficiency might increase the risk of breast cancer or recurrence. But vitamin D is really important for women because of their bones. Mm. Because most of the treatments we give women with breast cancer weaken their bones. We put them into early menopause. We suppress estrogen. And their bone density is going to drop. And the last thing we want is women breaking hips, you know, having um, fractures of their spine and that sort of thing. So keeping the vitamin D dose, uh, you know, taking a vitamin D supplement is important for these women if they live in Canada and aren't getting enough sun. And I don't think any of us get enough sun here. Yeah, no kidding. So Ellen, do you, can vitamin D be, in, uh, be taken on its own or is it vitamin C? I'm trying to think that uh, the way you can increase the effects of vi- vi- one of those vitamins, you have to take the other one. Um, it's calcium. Oh, so calcium. That's it's good it. for women to get enough calcium for bone health, Bones, for yeah. sure. And you don't absorb calcium if you don't get enough vitamin D. So I think that's what you're that's thinking That's the of, one, Angela. yeah. Okay, i got to add calcium now. All right, Dr. Warner, uh, thanks for doing your best. And I'm, I'm sure there's still going to be people who will text in what they believe. So I appreciate you starting the conversation. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, you bet, Dr. Ellen Warner. She is a professor of medicine at the University of Toronto and staff medical oncologist at uh, the Odette Cancer Centre at Sunnybrook Research Institute. Um, got some texts coming in. I'll share some of those after the break. But I, I want to change gears and talk about Bill 6 because, of course, today, as we've heard in the news, the uh, provincial government coming out with um, more recommendations as they look at how Bill 6 has been rolled out. I'm curious, though, especially if you are a rancher, a farmer, how has Bill 6 worked for you? Positives, negatives? I want to share those thoughts coming up next. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott, weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.